Welcome to another episode of the Reboot Chronicles, a no-holds-barred forum with global leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and CEOs about how organizations stay focused on growth and innovation in unprecedented times. I'm your host, Dean DeBias, coming to you live from Revive's North American headquarters in Chicago, and we would like to thank you for joining us from around the globe today. I'd like to welcome Melissa Grady from Cadillac. She's the Chief Marketing Officer. Good to see you, Melissa. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to have the conversation today. Yeah, how are things in New York? Uh, things in New York are great. Um, I feel fall coming, um, which uh, personally, I love fall, but I'm not a big fan of winter, so I feel the cold coming. I think when I look at uh, what that means this year, it's very interesting, right? Because all the restaurants are outside, which is amazing uh, to have outdoor dining. But as we start to look at winter coming and what that'll mean, it's going to be an, an interesting, just going on with the unprecedented theme, an unprecedented year. So Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, personally, I just hold on till summer, till about Thanksgiving. And it's uh, rather shocking to me when it's actually over. So it's uh, no surprise that the auto industry has taken a big hit here in uh, 2020, depending on the uh, manufacturer uh, sales down anywhere from 10 to 30 uh, percent. I think GM reported about an $800 million loss for Q2 or first half. And um, obviously, right, you know, plants were closed, dealerships were closed. Everything was just uh, turned upside down on its head. Um, you know, having been the uh, CEO of AutoWeb, I uh, spent a lot of time in the auto industry. So I'm, I'm bullish. It'll come back. So I thought we'd dig into just a lot of the trends that are going on and what's happening, uh, you know, both here and maybe in China, you know, Europe and India, not so much. Uh, let's talk about some of the some of the growth markets. But um, how are things going at uh, Cadillac in terms of uh, now we're going into Q3 and Q4? Yeah, things are going really well. I think going through this year, it's really helped us um, to we had obviously um, Cadillac is GM's first brand that is going to, to be all electric. So we're really focusing on an all electric future and our zero, zero, zero mission. I think this year has really helped us hone that focus a lot. Um, and so as, as we go into Q4, we're launching the Escalade, uh, the 2021 Escalade, yeah, which is my, my uh, favorite, my favorite automobile. Uh, this is the Escalade of Escalades. Um, and we've been, I think, you know, just we've been able to maintain production there. So as you were saying, there were obviously a lot of things that impacted uh, GM overall during the pandemic. I think the, the we got lucky with the launch timing of that vehicle. Um, we've maintained our focus on EV the entire time. We did uh, for Lyric, which is the the first entry on uh, with Ultium and our new platform for Cadillac. Um, that that launch has not been impacted at all. It did shift when we first started talking about it. So our reveal was supposed to be earlier in the year, and we just had that in August. Um, but I think you know things are things are good. Knock on wood, and um, better I think than I probably you know going into this, none of us really knew what was going to happen or what we were up against. And I think that both like consumer resilience, human spirit resilience. Um, and really auto industry resilience um, compared to some others has been uh, surprising and good. Surprising, yeah, both in the new and the uh, used markets. So let's talk about some of the data behind that. So obviously ride sharing almost obliterated in some uh, cities, public transportation. I don't see anyone taking it in Chicago and the other cities I've been to. Rental fleets liquidated, travel 
you know, just be happy you're not in that industry, right? Um, again, they'll all come back, but in a very strange way. So that to me just was like a huge jolt to the system, I think. And yeah. and it's interesting because on the um, on the heels of you know millennials and Gen X, Y, and Z saying we're not, we really don't want to buy cars, we want to share. Um, that's all pivoting too. So. I know that's a lot, but maybe you could just sort through all of that and say, you know, what what does that mean in terms of short-term trends versus long-term? I think, obviously, um, this being something that's completely new, we don't really know yet what is going to be a short-term versus a long-term trend. I think some of the ways that we, as people, fundamentally look at things is evolving. Um, I think in the short-term um, and we're all feeling this, right? Uh, I have a lot of friends, just like we were talking about, I'm in New York. I have a lot of friends who um, previously didn't have, nor did they want a car. Um, and now with more trips out of the city, with people focusing on road trips versus flights, um, and with people just, there's something very comfortable about your own germs. So when you're in your home and when you're in your car, uh, you know exactly when it's been cleaned, how it's been cleaned, and who's been in it. So those are things that, at least in the short term, I think are really going to stay. I think what's interesting for us to keep an eye on is, you know, some of the migratory patterns out of cities right now. Um, you, New York occupancy is at all-time lows. You're seeing both residential and commercial really down. People moving out um, into both more nature-type areas and the suburbs how much is that a short-term versus a long-term thing? Um, as we look at a dispersed workforce and people working from home, um, you know, we're looking at June of next year. Some companies are saying it's that or it's forever. Um, and so as those conversations start to come into people's families and they're deciding where they're going to live, that has a huge impact on if you're going to have a car or not. So, um, I think the the long term on this, there's not really a case study to go back and look at and say, here's here's how I think this is going to play out in three to five years. Um, so what we've become very good at this year is being ready for anything um, and being there to support people with where they are. But I think, you know, I, especially a lot of what you were talking to and as we look at our move into electrification, I think um, the conversation is definitely right for that. One of the things that personally impacted me was um, during, uh, it was like around April or so, there were studies being done and the vibrations of the earth were lower because we were all at home. Um, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, and especially in New York, uh, the mass exodus has been interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, personally, we've talked about it with other industry leaders on the show and it's it's a cycle. It's almost like 2008. You know, there's a few year cycle after that that had nothing to do with health and wellness and um, interesting impacts on the auto industry. Can you maybe touch on how it's impacted, you know, luxury versus, you know, the standard stuff, you know, the standard automobiles seem to have more, I don't know, somewhat predictable behavior. But if you look at, you know, Cadillac, BMW, Audi, Mercedes, uh, all these guys, um, what's the sector uh, looking like compared to uh, maybe the lower tiers? Yeah, so um, I think what you saw, um, and right now there's a shift happening, so it's very hard for me to say what's happening right now. What we definitely saw in the middle of shelter in place and then coming out of that was a lot of the trucks, utility vehicles, things that um, 
I think, you know, as especially you have essential workers going, those types of vehicles um, were very high in demand. Um, the other thing, I think a lot of the, the financing programs that people had brought a lot of people into the market. Um, we're now starting to see a shift, I think, back to normal, um, or as we like say, the new normal, right? And um, someone had said earlier that I really liked, we kept talking about the new normal. First, we had to have the new abnormal, and now we're getting into the new normal. Um, and so as we're getting into that, it's really interesting to start to see um, what the, the trends are going to be. We're, we're starting to see things, um, I, I think across all of us, really start to pick up um, into not exactly the same place we were pre, but really getting more regular. Yeah, and, and it just seems like, um, you know, on the luxury side, the so car sales are still up. The um, the usage of cars, people aren't using them to commute to work. For instance, you guys are headquarters in the Renaissance Center, which was a thankfully a really great program. You guys moved everything back downtown to Detroit and, quite frankly, I think saved it. Um, but a lot of people are avoiding any towers now. Even companies like Salesforce who pride themselves on, you know, big towers in cities are scattering when they do want to get together in, in low-rise buildings and things. But, the you know, the commute's done right for now, um, but people are using their cars at night and run errands and a lot of weekend getaways, probably because the weather's been nice. So does that, is that kind of, is that, you think it's going to impact the whole car buying cycle as well as the used market? Because maybe people are going to keep their cars longer. They're not beating them up as much, driving them every day. I think it's, again, going to be one of those things that are really interesting to see. Uh, I think we think about the vehicles a little differently now. If I even look at myself, and so being in Detroit, I had a, a daily commute. Um, I'm working from home now, but I've actually, in the past couple of months, put more miles on my car. So, um, for instance, and again, I think this is, I'm using my own example because it really is, I think, how patterns are shifting. I bought... Um, house in the Poconos on the lake so that we can go relax sometimes and it's easier to get there now because I can work from anywhere. I have some meetings happening in Detroit so I'm going to drive to Pennsylvania and then I'm going to drive to Detroit and then it's my nieces so I'm going to drive to Chicago and then I'm going to drive back. So even though I haven't driven every day for that 30 or so minutes that I was driving I'm now driving these longer times. Um, I know a lot of people, and as we look at some of the, the trends as we're looking at domestic travel, a lot of that domestic travel is happening by vehicle. Right. So um, where you did kind of have this, I'm, I'm on a short stint, here's my 30 minutes in, it's back every day, you know, average commute times. Now what you're really seeing is people who are looking at the vehicle as how you really get from point A to B, whereas before you would have gotten on a plane um, or, you know, maybe a train or something else. But really, even we've seen, and I, and I don't know, again, if this will be a longstanding pattern, but people who were on the train every day, not really wanting to take the train driving when they have to come in. Right. Um, so. Yeah, there's definitely a resurgence in the family vacation uh, uh, via car this summer. So there'll, there'll be some interesting data coming out of there. That and uh, drive-in movies are the other one, which we yeah, actually... I was going to bring that up. Walmart uh, also kind of jumped in there and did the parking lot thing. So, but, uh, but that was a little bit of a spike in certain areas. 
Did you go to one of those? By the way, by the way, you're probably one of the few people that has a car in New York City. So, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> I have two cars, um, and I love it. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. Well, now I would say there's a lot of people in New York who have cars. So. It's been interesting. I have not been to a drive-in yet. Um, I am trying to find one that's that's going to work for my timing, um, but it's definitely on the radar. Yeah, it's a, it's a there's some interesting data coming out of uh, you know families closer together this summer and the, how the car kind of like you know helped that and bring that together. Let's talk about luxury and tech. It seems to me, having bought a lot of these cars over the years. I've never seen such a time where technology is more important for the luxury cars more than ever. Just even the new entry ones that are still coming to the market, like Genesis and others, just like it's just like a toy for me. Um, and personalization. So, what um, what are your thoughts there? I know the Escalade has got some amazing stuff like in there that I'll probably never get to half the features. Right? It's kind of like when you get your new phone. It's like that's a cool feature. I don't know if I know how to use that one yet. It's yeah, funny. that's. That's actually um, been one of the things that I've been really thinking about. I'm driving the new Escalade right now, and every day I'm just amazed by that vehicle, absolutely amazed by it. And as I'm experiencing it, I'm thinking about how do we let the consumers of the Escalade understand all of these features um, because it, it, there is more technology than ever um, and we do so much research to make sure that it's exactly what consumers want. And then, you know, you have this like discovery period. And so I'm really looking at how do we accelerate how you discover the technology that's in there. But it, you're absolutely right. I think the, the two things that are really important right now are technology and personalization. So from a Cadillac perspective, when we look at it, we look at it from uh, the the aspect of it's intuitively yours. So how does the car predict things? Um, Deborah Wall said this one time, and I really want it to be a thing. She said it's pre-sponse. It's not in response to something that you did. It's a pre-sponse to something that you will do. So um, there's already, you know, I think being in Michigan in the winter, um, my car, I use my app and I turn on my car before I go outside. By the right. time I go outside, the car senses what the temperature is. I mean, obviously, right, the car knows that. So um, it turns on in the, in the winter my heated steering wheel and my heated seats, and it makes my car warm enough for me inside. Um, we have Amazon Alexa integration in our vehicles, which is not only just a, a lot of fun uh, if you you know if you have an Alexa. I, you kind of I've, I've seen it. I've gotten arguments with Alexa in your cars, actually. <laughs> she doesn't like me. I was going to say, I'm not sure who I hope won in that situation. That's My really girlfriend funny. wasn't happy. She's like, stop talking to her. Oh, that's really funny. Um, I think, you know, I use my Alexa in my car to pre-order my Starbucks. Um, yes. And it's, you know, it's just the that kind of integration where it's it's not just technology for technology's sake. It's technology for making your life better. And then when you come to safety, it's really technology that it makes the driving experience better and safer. So, um, I, and as we look at where we are today and the Escalade, I think is really the pinnacle of um, our, you know, just honestly, this Escalade is, it, as I said before, it's it's the Cadillac of Escalades. It's the Escalade of Escalades. It's, it's got, it's, 
amazing. So you've got this, you know, huge OLED screen, first curve, 38 inches right in front of you. Uh, we have 36 speakers in this car, which um, is interesting. Part of our campaign. You've actually well, got them right in the in the headrest, a couple little ones. Yeah, exactly. Uh, part of the campaign is going to be to help people understand what 36 speakers mean because, you know, we, we were joking, we we're talking about it, you know, advertising 101, you don't talk about a feature, you talk about a benefit. Well, it's really hard to understand the benefit of 36 speakers because it's pretty incredible. So we've got a lot of activations that we're working on that will really help bring to life what that means. Um, and then I, a, I have one. It's like I leave my house and where Sonos is playing kind of in a mono mode, but decent. And I just go sit in the car. I'm like, that's the difference. <laughs> it sounds so much better. Yeah. It's yeah. A perfect acoustic chamber, too. It really is. And, you know, you can you can play and move around the sound within the vehicle. Um, there's also a feature um, good for parents where you can um, either mute the back seat or you can turn it on so you can hear better. So if you need to have a can quick mute, conversation. Uh, can, I, can I mute the children? Is there a way to technologically? <laughs> never, never mind. <laughs> it gets close to that. It gets close to that. So. Um, yeah, I mean, and then just as we look at, um, and you know, things like the AR HUD and night vision and like just all of this technology that really, um, you, you get in the car and, um, it's an experience. I think it was interesting to me because I, when I first got in the vehicle, I was driving from Detroit to Pennsylvania and, um, I had meetings until about 3 PM. And it was a long drive, and I had had said uh, to my boyfriend, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive, and then if I start getting tired, I'm just gonna pull over, and I'll see you tomorrow." And I pulled into Pennsylvania around 11:30, and I did not want to get out of the car. I was so energized. And the other thing that was really interesting is the the magnetic ride control, and then the new the new way that we have this in this vehicle. Um, my hands, I have carpal tunnel. And so normally after I'm driving for a while, my hands get kind of numb and they hurt. So you can take and them off was, the wheel and everything. Yeah, there was none of that with this vehicle. So I think wow. it's just, you're, you're right. Like the, the way that technology is bringing the vehicle experience to life, whether you are interested in performance driving or you're interested in, um, some of the farther out technologies like AR or it's the sound, whatever it is, it's really bringing this enjoyment. Um, that's, and I'm, I've always loved cars and I've always loved to drive, but it's really even, I think, exceeding anywhere we've been. And, and then as we look at our future vehicles, that is just like it, tenfold where we are today. Yeah, it makes me think of, um, so uh, Revive, um, our sponsor, uh, we have a health, beauty, and wellness index where we measure, to measure pretty much online uh, how consumers are searching for certain information about health and wellness. And it's, as you can guess, through 2020, up anywhere from 200 to 400%, depending on the condition or, you know, whether people are interested in skincare or <clears throat> supplements or air. So um, at what point does the vehicle become kind of a health and wellness chamber to, you know, purification of air? products like that. It's like, I mean, at what point? I mean, you can only put so much in these cars, but uh, in Escalade, there's plenty of room to put more things in. But yeah, what do you think about like the health and wellness side, just given what's trending out there now? Yeah. So that's something that we're really focusing on right now. I think 
when you look at today, we have, you know, the, the air filters that are really, you know, from an allergy perspective, from a germ perspective, really good. When you look at, we have massage seats in there. Um, that's like the, the today. But as we're looking at the future and as like the trends are, you know, looking at biometrics and, you know, how do all of your electronics talk to each other, we're really looking at that too. What role does the car play um, and how do we even extend that further? I mean, I think, you know, even when you look at from an emergency situation, um, which it sounds like maybe there's one outside, <laughs> when you look at the emergency yeah. situation right. today, um, we have super cruise. And if someone is driving with super cruise, super cruise um, is hands-free driving, but the driver needs to be paying attention and, and looking at what's happening today. If you're driving that vehicle and you're not paying attention, then, then the vehicle will give you some vibrations. It'll flash some lights. It gives you some hints. Hey, you know, you need to pay attention yep. to this. Um, if you don't respond to that, then super cruise is going to disengage um, and you're, it's not going to keep going because it needs to know that you're looking. If you still don't respond, the vehicle actually will use OnStar and um, call the call center and, and someone will make sure that you're okay. So if, again, if you look at that just, today. Just taking a nap, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll make sure you're awake and like, you know, safety first always. So as we then look at, you know, moving forward, what is the further integration of the car and health and wellness? I mean, I yep. think that the possibilities are really phenomenal. I want the uh, airplane filters. What do they call those? The HEPA or there you go. The ones that they use in airplanes. Those are they're expensive, but the technology is getting better and smaller. That's some of the best recirculated air. Yes. Yeah. I'm still not ready to get an airplane. I, I too have been doing a lot of driving, so um, um, so that's fascinating. I don't think I don't think most of us. I'll just join in with the consumer crowd here. Understand how many sensors are in our cars and how many cameras it used to be on the outside. I'm like, well, it's like twelve cameras. I'm like, yeah, how many are actually on the inside now, uh, monitoring all this stuff? So the um, you don't have to answer that, but I mean, it's like everyone's looking, everyone's listening. Is there uh, got some privacy and data security issues you guys think about in this connected I mean, cars? Yeah, I think when you look at a company like GM, who safety is the probably the most guiding principle that we have as a company. So um, that extends into everything we do, including data privacy and safety. So um, there, there is a lot of, uh, I think, vehicle data. We, that, is, um, that is kept very separate. And uh, we have, you know, it's like of, of all the companies that I've worked at and I've worked in insurance, um, I think the way that GM approaches data and privacy and safety is really like they are um, at the forefront of not just the automotive industry, but really any industry as they look at at that and, and keep safety as really um, overall a key, like key principle for us. Yeah, and it's come a long way. I mean, my parents' cars didn't have seatbelts, so um, I'm just happy those were put in. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Every, I, think, I think people actually fought those for a while. Like, well, I'm not wearing that. That's just ridiculous. Like, okay, I will. Um, what else do you think is, um, you know, we've kind of been focused on the U.S. because, um, you know, people are concerned about what's what's going to happen next with, especially when you look at luxury goods and retail and where you are, a lot of boarded up stores in New York that uh, the doomsday or guys are saying are never coming back. But 
I always remind them it's New York, so not that worried long term. But uh, let's jump to a couple other markets. Um, I assume Europe is still going to be soft for a while, but China, every industry, we have had probably 30 industries on this program this year alone. A lot of CEOs talking about the the rebound uptick, you know, whether it was revenge buying or whatever buzzword, you know, people threw in for their industry, just bam, it just came right back. You know, demand. What's what's going on with cars in China, both luxury and you know some of the other sectors you're seeing? Yeah, China is China's doing great, and I, it's been very interesting going through all this because obviously China went through COVID first, um, and um, it's it's been really. A, it was a very different experience there, I think. So there's there's that that we had to layer in, but also there was just, you could watch a lot of what their trajectory was. So when they first went into shelter in place, how consumer behavior shifted and how things really moved to digital very quickly, digital shopping, digital buying, um, dealers using technology to FaceTime or something like that. We have something called Cadillac Live here. Um, yeah. Which I've, used, I've used it. It's pretty good. It's it's really fun. I think it's a really fun way to shop for a car. It's like it's like your own personal auto show, uh, but you don't have to get dressed to go. So um, and they have props. It's really great. So um, didn't, your, didn't your Canadian group kind of come up with that? I, I, I love did. field. I love field based innovation. Like forget corporate. We're doing this. Yeah, they did, and it's something that we're really expanding. Um, so it it is. It's it's in a studio outside of Toronto, and we have all the vehicles there. And you dial in on a like basically a one way video call, and you tell them what car you're interested in. And you know, if you're tall and you want to understand when we say it's class leading headroom in the XC6, what do we mean? then the the guy who's like six five will jump in the back and show you what that means if you have kids um and you want to see how your stroller um but also your golf clubs are going to fit in the back then we've got those there we'll show you we can show you how the seats fold down like all the different features of everything it's really fun so it was something that we had launched already because well we we stole from canada they launched it last year uh, we stole it in the U.S. because it was really, really well done. And then um, we got ready as, as we saw what was starting to happen um, and how the Chinese consumers were really shifting. There it was a lot. Um, I think there was a lot on TikTok um, and some of the other uh, social platforms. Um, yep. So we figured out we're going to have to be ready to enable the shopping process digitally. I think um, in China watching that happen and then getting ready here what for all of us was really good is automotive has just been from a consumer mindset automotive tends to be very innovative like when you look at you know how we buy media how we are building cars all these things um and everything take you know when from when you first concept a car for, to when it comes to market is such a long period that we always have to be really innovative right otherwise we'd be behind before we started um but consumers still shop for a car the way they have since like 1967. They like now the research instead of when they're asking friends and we're maybe looking in the paper, now they're looking online. Um, there is a big shift to people uh, looking at videos on YouTube, but really that, that process has stayed basically the same. And this really opened people's minds about um, shopping more digitally all the way to, and it's something we've always offered, but wasn't really taken up before. We can bring your vehicle right. 
for delivering a service to the home. So yeah, no one, people didn't, there wasn't mass market then. And then there became a health need. And um, I mean, I know when I was, when I took AutoWeb public, I mean, lead gen was the hottest thing and it's still the hottest thing. It's like, yeah, but you can move beyond it. So many industries now, their digital platforms have just gone through the roof because of this. And yeah. are you saying, do you see a lot of innovation coming out of dealers or let's just call it good ideas like Foley Cadillac here? I mean, it was easy for them to kind of deliver cars. They're, they're already kind of a concierge service because of your brand, right? It's a high level right. experience. It's not like it, getting it's not like getting a Civic or something. Um, it was it was really easy, and I think so. Learning, we learned a lot from China and what China mm. was going through. We also learned a lot from our dealers here because they would help us with. You know, you're, you're right. Like we have luxury dealers. It's a luxury experience. They were absolutely ready to sanitize the whole vehicle and then deliver it to a customer's home. Because like I said, it's been something that they've always offered um, and that consumers just didn't, it just wasn't their mindset before. But, you know, now that was like, that was definitely, there was definitely that shift. So, yeah. And then, and then China's had a great recovery um, and we're, we're seeing really, really good sales there. Um, They love Cadillac over there. They do. They love yeah. Cadillacs. I'm glad so. they're buying some American stuff. That's good news. Yeah. Uh, Melissa, I really want to thank you for joining us. I um, I usually ask for like words of wisdom, things like that at the end, but I think I'm more interested from your perspective. Just how was it kind of moving into the auto industry? What you know, just personally, what kind of challenges did you have to? Uh, you've been there like two years now. Yeah, I I actually started my career in the auto industry. Uh, uh, came came so- back. Okay. Yeah, so this was a return, um, and th- this is what I'll say. So I started my career in the auto industry. I had worked at Gillette previously. Then I went to grad school and um, came out in the in the auto industry. I didn't know how. Like I was very early in my career. I didn't know how good I had it. You could you get to drive all the cars. You have track days. Um, yeah. It's really it's one of the biggest purchases people make. I like I absolutely love automotive. Um, I then worked in a lot of other industries. I was at Motorola working in tech. Um, I was at MetLife working in insurance. Um, I think one of the biggest surprises for me was how much I loved insurance. Um, Also a very emotional purchase for people. That's a tough tough one to love. You you must've liked the auto insurance sector. (laughs) Uh, it It was really interesting. I think at MetLife, we were very innovation focused also, which is just something that's where I really like to be is where you're driving the future, you're innovating, you're doing new things. Um, so coming back to automotive um, was, a, it was great to be back. Not only that, to come into a brand like Cadillac that just really is like, it's the ultimate in American luxury. It's an icon. So um, to, to come into a brand like that, a brand that is, so like when you look at Cadillac's history, all the way through, um, we have, you were talking about seatbelts, like we had the first electric starters. Um, we were like first on just like all, all of these things um, through like OnStar was one of the first things in Cadillac. It's always been a brand of innovation all the way through. And so now to come to this brand when they're innovating again and they're really gonna drive um, what an electric vehicle, what a, what a luxury electric vehicle looks like, um, and what that should be. It's just a really, really exciting time to be here. I love yeah. it. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. You've been listening to Melissa Grady, the CMO of Cadillac, and I look forward to seeing you sometime. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll come to the Rensen and uh, 
do a shoot there someday. I love it. Sounds great. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks so much for having me.